you're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Well, good morning again. Thank you. Ah, there we go. We have just come into land on our Alpha course last Thursday, and um, I thought I'd give you a little bit of an update as to how it went. We are still gathering numbers and stories and trying to uh, capture all that God did in those seven or so weeks. Uh, The final night of Alpha is what we call the Holy Spirit night, and if the previous six are about Um, reading the menu, as it were, and uh, exploring and asking questions. The Holy Spirit and I is an opportunity for people to eat the meal and to experience God and the presence of God and enter into maybe for the first time ever a relationship with God. And um, we're still working things out, but we think that 22 people made a decision to follow Jesus on Thursday night. Isn't that awesome? so amazing. I um, just, God was doing stuff in the room. I um, had a, someone come up to me um, at the end of the evening in floods of tears, just sharing their story of awful abuse that they'd endured um, at a family member growing up, children taken off them, and that night experienced something of the presence of God. In nearness, I had a lady come up to me. She said, I've done three alpha courses, but I've never experienced anything like that. And I'm like, well, that's Jesus. And that is what he does. So it's so good. And I just wanted to say, um, on behalf of all of us, there were so many people, dozens and dozens of people who came and made it possible, who served uh, from early till late, who served food and cooked food and prepared the tables. It was an incredible effort. Can we just give a round of applause to everyone that served so faithfully? Thank you. Uh, Just so, so exciting. Um, We're in a series on Sundays called Preparing the Way. Um, It's been incredible, hasn't it? Last couple of weeks, John's been sharing, digging into the life and story of John the Baptist. And I'd encourage you, if you've missed the last two Sunday mornings, or either one of them, check them out online, uh, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you find your uh, podcasts. They have been brilliant. Genuinely, genuinely brilliant. And um, tonight I'm bringing it to land. And really the heart behind the series, preparing the way, is asking the question, what does it look like for us in our time to prepare the way for God to move? What are some of the things we run from and what are some of the things that we step into? And my message this morning I've entitled, um, The Way of Humility. The way of humility. It's not a flashy title. It's not going to be overly popular. It's not one of those things you slap on your fridge. But actually, I believe this is the key to stepping into all that God has for us, is is this idea of humility, lowliness, inner decrease. It's like, hey, what did you learn about church today? I learned about decrease. But I believe this is important. For us, And I want to suggest and submit this morning that if we want to become all that God has for us, if we want to make a mark, if we want to leave a legacy, our posture has to be one of humility. 
And I think this is especially important in the current cultural moment that we find ourselves so many issues in the public domain, in politics, in leadership, in people's families, marriages, so many issues caused by a lack of humility. No more issues so than recently in the church, global. Leaders who have been trusted by people, loved by people, have breached this Humility, maybe built empires in hindsight around themselves and their platform and their gift and their anointing. And when people gather around a personality or someone's specific ministry and we build upon those things, the enemy just waits and waits and waits and blows it up. We're taught in our world today that the key to being great is self first. Look after number one, climb the ladder, build big barns, put your wants and rights and needs above all else. But let me say this morning, in the kingdom of God, it is completely different. The key to greatness, in the words of Jesus, is humility. Now put your hand up if you've ever had an experience where you've been humbled in an embarrassing way. Yeah, I I had one of these experiences recently. Um, Every Friday, um, my wife works, and it's my day off, I work Sundays. Uh, So me and my daughter, Ivy, we hang out together, and we've been doing loads of things. And my wife, um, Hannah, had come into the uh, information, knowledge, that there are these like dance clubs that happen. Ivy's three. And uh, she's been saying for quite a while, Josh, t- why don't you take her along? She'll, like, she'll love it. And I, it's just not my thing. I can't really dance. Um, and uh, Hannah's like, no, no, it's not like that. You won't need to dance. You just, Ivy will absolutely love it. So after quite a while of pestering, I said, okay, that's fine. I'll go. I'll go to the dance class. So I went along and um, I turned up. In fact, I was late to the, f- there were two, 10 a.m. and 11. I was late to the 10 a.m. So I thought, no, I'm just going to go to the 11. Big mistake. Because I get there just before 11, and I am the only, me and Ivy, the only people in the dance class. <laughs> Apart from the lady who's running it, bless her. And she just powers on. It's not awkward for her. But here's essentially what happened. Ivy, being so exposed, refused to dance. So I want you to imagine, is this lady I've never met, and me dancing together for an hour while Ivy watches. It got really awkward when it was just the two of us doing the hokey-cokey in the middle. Unbelievable. And I felt like my life was falling apart. Um, It really did demolish any pride that I had. Um, Humility. Now, John the Baptist... Presume you've been gathering over the last couple of weeks was a man marked by humility. And what is humility? Well, definitions of humility include an absence of pride, an absence of arrogance, uh, of self importance. Now, this isn't false humility. Um, which really is pride in disguise. False humility is when we devalue ourselves or our contributions in an attempt to appear humble so people lavish praise on us and then we feel good about ourselves. That's not what we're talking about. I love this definition of humility, which is this, freedom from pride and self-importance. So to live in humility is actually living in freedom. We're not obsessed with looking good When we live in humility, we're not comparing ourselves to others. We're not um, filled with anxiety at criticism. 
or we're not chasing praise. We don't get knocked when others get promoted around us. We're able to celebrate those things. Our identity isn't built on success or platform or performance. We're not phased by failure. We live in freedom from those things. We recognize soberly, as Paul writes in the New Testament, our place in the world. And we are free to be ourselves and fulfill the God-given call on our lives. That is humility. Did you know this? Jesus said this about John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. He said this, Truly I tell you, among those born of women there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Jesus said that John was the greatest man to ever have lived up until the point of Jesus. What marked his life for greatness? What made him so significant? Well, it could be a lot of reasons. It could be the fact that he was chosen by God to be a forerunner for the Messiah. That's a huge calling, isn't it? He was preparing the way. Secondly, it could be the fact that he was incredibly fruitful in Luke chapter 1. It's prophesied over John that his role will be to turn many back to God. He was uniquely anointed. Luke chapter 1 again says that he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. He carried a prophetic mantle. He was an old school, Old Testament prophet. He broke 410 years of divine silence. He was incredibly courageous. He spoke out against injustice and stood against sin even when it cost him his life. It could be many reasons why Jesus considered John the, the greatest, but I actually want to suggest that the main reason was rather in his posture of humility, his lowliness. John had a deep conviction that in spite of all that was going on, his job on this earth was actually to direct people away from himself towards Jesus Christ. He was a man of humility. Notice the second half of that verse. Jesus is trying to teach us how to step into greatness in the kingdom. And he says, whoever is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. Isn't that an amazing thing to say? Whoever is least, whoever goes lowest, there's something about humility that God is looking for in his church and in his people. One of the reasons I believe John the Baptist carried so much weight was that he embodied a life of lowliness and humility. He knew who he was, he knew what he was called to, and he knew that it was all about Jesus. In the kingdom of God, our greatness is marked not by our giftings or our accomplishments, our assets or our income, even the size of our church, but by our lowliness, our willingness to go low. John was a man of humility. And did you know Jesus himself was a man of radical humility? The God-man was characterized by humility. There's one occasion in the whole Gospels where Jesus describes what he was like as a person. There's one occasion where Jesus describes his own character, his own personality, his manner, his tone. Do you know what it was? It was in Matthew 11, verse 29. Jesus says this, "'Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest.'" Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and I will give you rest for your souls. Jesus is lowly in heart. 
And I love this season of year, Christmas. It's my favorite time of year. And I think this time, like no other, demonstrates the reality that Jesus was marked by humility. He left his throne in the heavens. He lowered himself to us. He came near to us, but more than that, he became one of us. The whole story of salvation is characterized by a lowering, a humbling, a drawing near. And Jesus invites his followers to be like him in that. Philippians 2 says this. This is Paul writing. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Underline that. He made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Paul says the key to, to reaching the world, to being full of the power of the Holy Spirit, to stepping into greatness, into the fullness of what God has for us, the key is having this mindset, like Jesus, make yourself nothing. Humble yourself, die to yourself, and in the kingdom of God, humility carries power. Influence is attracted to humility. Anointing follows lowliness. And in a world that we live in today, I'm convinced that humility is an idea whose time has come. So how do we practically walk in humility? Well, I've got three lessons, if it's okay with you, from the life of John the Baptist. If you've got a Bible, turn to John chapter 3. We're going to read a, a slightly longer passage, and then I've got three really simple ideas and reflections, and then we will pray for one another. John 3, starting in verse 22. After this, it says, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now, John also was baptizing at Aeon near Salim because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. Verse 25, an argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, the man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, Jesus, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. Underline that if you've got a Bible that you can. Verse 28, you yourselves can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him, and he's full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, underline that, and it is now complete. He must become greater, I must become less, underline that one too. Verse 31, the one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. First thing I think we need to understand from the text, 
that in order to live a life of humility is this. A person can only receive what is given them from heaven. That's my first point this morning. Here we see John the Baptist who has a significant ministry. He was doing great things for God. He was baptizing lots of people. He had an important reputation. He had lots of disciples. And Jesus comes on the scene and from day one, people begin to leave John and pursue Jesus. And one of John's disciples comes up to John and says, John, that, that, that man who was with you, that Jesus, the one you testified about, look, he's baptizing and everyone's going to him. In other words, everyone's leaving us. What's happening to our ministry? We're, we're failing, we're falling. What's going on? How does John respond? I love these words. He says this, a person can only receive what is given them from heaven. In essence, John is saying this, my ministry is not about me. My fruitfulness is not dependent on me. My job is to be faithful in stewarding what I've been given. And I recognize that anything else, any fruitfulness or success is a gift from heaven. A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. I believe that more Christians, more leaders in the church need to carry ourselves with this humility, which says, I'm going to give everything to pursue Jesus and pursue obedience and faithfulness to the Lord. But what happens in my life is directed by heaven. God is sovereign. God is on the throne. God will build his kingdom. God is ruling and reigning. The church is about Jesus. This ministry is about him. John Wimber, the founder of the vineyard, famously said, we are just loose change in God's pocket and he can spend us as he pleases. John knew that if he did what was asked of him, any success came from God and any failure or supposed failure from the outside was heaven ordained too. The ministry of John was not about him nor his profile or his success or his fame or his personality, but it was all about Jesus. And I believe we're called to live lives which are all about Jesus, which are all aimed at giving Jesus the glory, which die to worldly success or people pleasing or looking good. And from personal experience, this can be a wrestle for us, can't it? We, we, we long to look good before others. We long to make a difference. Sometimes those motives actually can be from a good place. But I love that John the Baptist knew the source of his success and even the source of what was happening when things weren't panning out. My second lesson in humility is becoming a people whose joy comes from hearing the bridegroom's voice. Let me ask you this morning, where does your joy come from? You strip everything away. What is that thing that you get out of bed for in the morning? What are you giving your life for? How about this as a marker of humility, where you find your joy? Do you find it in people's praise? Do you find it in looking good? Do you find it in likes on social media? Do we crave attention because that is the thing that satisfies? For John... His greatest joy, what he lived for, was to be in the presence of the bridegroom. To hear the voice of the bridegroom. He had been waiting in the wilderness, 
and listening, he says. He's been preparing the way. He's been calling people to repentance. And in the presence of Jesus, John the Baptist says, this joy that comes from hearing his voice is mine. And it is now complete. John lived for nothing else other than the voice and intimacy with the Lord. That was his source of joy. What would it look like if we lived in a humility that freed us from the trappings of the world, that detached us from finding our joy in anything other than his voice and his presence? This is real joy. Oftentimes we hang our joy on many things, don't we? Hang our things on people's opinions or having lots of stuff or our security or our comfort. Our confidence comes from our status. What if we found our joy in none of those things but simply in Jesus? In the words of the carol, joy to the world, the Lord is come. What could it look like if we put our trust and our joy and our hearts with him? Now the third lesson, I think this is most important, is that we would become a people marked by humility is this, that he must become greater and I must become less. He must become greater and I must become less. And this is a commitment to lowliness. This is being like Jesus. Notice this, he must become greater, I must become Less. And, and as we look forward, we're coming into the end of the year, as we look forward into 2024 and all that God will do among us, my prayer for this next year, my heart's cry is that Jesus would become greater. He would, not that he needs more greatness, but he would become wider known in our city. He would get more glory. He would be magnified in greater clarity. He would be lifted high in our city. He would receive the reward that he is due. And as a church, we would be known far and wide as a people whose sole purpose is to love Jesus and find joy in his presence and worship Jesus and invite people home. And I believe that if we want to see Jesus in greater measure and clarity, if we want to be a people who prepare the way for a move of God, sometimes that means that we need to get out the way. Sometimes it means that we need to decrease and what John might be saying here is that it's actually possible for us to get in the way of a move of God. Sometimes I'm standing in the way of what God might want to do. John the Baptist, the greatest man who lived up until that point, he said, I must become less. I must decrease. This is not about me. If I want to see Jesus glorified then I need to get out of the way. And sometimes we do need to, don't we, just strip things away in order to allow God to move in greater fullness. And this morning, I want to ask you the question, what does that look like for you? Are there parts of your life, are there things in your story which are holding you back from or stopping God from moving in your life, things that we're holding on to? Maybe a reluctance to change. John spoke about this a few weeks ago. But the, the, the danger of nostalgia, it's a refusal to let the new thing that God is doing happen. Or maybe we wrestle with bitterness or unforgiveness, unhealed hurt. And we're holding on to things that is stopping God moving. 
Humility really looks like getting out the way when God is moving. Refusing to be a barrier for the move of God. And as we continue to step into all that God has for us, I think we're going to see a move of God. We're seeing God moving, but in greater measure. I believe we are just in the beginnings of something significant. And I'll ask the question, are we willing to get out of the way? Are we willing to accommodate mess? Are we willing to be okay with God doing whatever he wants? Are we okay with Jesus become greater if that means we decrease? Are we okay with following the Holy Spirit where he's moving, even if that is outside our comfort zones and even if that means change. There is a season coming where we need to get out the way in order to completely let Jesus become greater. And I sense that this is what God is doing across the church. He's deplatforming those that have built ministries around themselves and he's moving where there is humility and lowliness, people of meekness, the poor in spirit. He's looking for a generation of people who want Jesus to take center stage, who are willing to have faceless churches um, so that he is the face of it all. When we cling on to control, Jesus so often takes it away, but when we follow him with open hands and open hearts and humility, he then gives us the authority to do the Jesus stuff. John the Baptist was a man who saw a move of God. He saw things happening. And he was committed to get out the way. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hall Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.